going on there, youth pastors? Paul Turner here from the DiscipleProject.net and your host of the Youth Ministry Motion Podcast, the podcast that wants to keep you motivated and your youth ministry moving forward. How are you doing today? What's going on in your life? As you can hear in the background, I don't know if you noticed, new music. That's right, new music bed. Some more chill music, because that's what this podcast is really like. It's just chilling together. It's talking about the things that matter to both us and to the youth ministries that we serve. And if you're brand new here to the podcast and you've come to chill with us for a little while, well, thank you. Thanks for coming and hanging out. And if you're a regular, as always, I appreciate your time and your attention. And today's episode is going to be a little bit different in the sense that it's going to be unscripted to a degree. I'm going to be reading some pieces and parts of an article from The Atlantic called Why Americans Suddenly Stopped Hanging Out by Derek Thompson. And the findings in it is quite alarming. (laughs) And it's also something that pertains to our students and why hanging out and why fellowship and why being together in your youth group scenario is so critically important to both their physical and mental well-being. Before we jump into the episode, I want to talk about a resource that I wrote some time ago uh, for my friend Tim Eldred, and it is called Stand Alone Together, and it is a resource. It is a four-week resource, four-week message series that looks at three people from the Bible who experienced loneliness and came through the other side. It's Hagar, Elijah, and Jesus. And then the last week of the series is a call to belong and become a part of the body of Christ. No kid has to be lost or alone when Christ's hands and feet move into action. That last week is called the longing to belong. And it comes with bumpers and slides and the message and small group questions, social media graphics and print graphics and everything you need to get kids moving not only towards Christ, but towards one another. So if you're interested in that, I'll put a link down below in the show notes, and it is a great way to show your support for the podcast. And I thank you in advance. Now I'm going to go ahead and read portions of the article, and I'm going to dial into three key phrases that I hear throughout the article. And I'll make some commentary on that and how it applies to you, your youth ministry, and how you program your youth ministry. So once again, the article is called Why Americans Suddenly Stopped Hanging Out. It's by Derek Thompson. It's from The Atlantic. And the photo they use is that of what looks like a diner with people just sitting at booths and tables by themselves. And I'm going to go ahead and jump down a few paragraphs to where it says, from 2003 to 2022, American men reduced their average hours of face-to-face socializing by about 30%. For unmarried Americans, the decline was even bigger, more than 35%. For teenagers, it was more than 45%. Boys and girls ages 15 to 19 reduced their weekly social hangouts by more than three hours a week. In short, there is no statistical record of any other period in U.S. history when people have spent more time on their own. And so what? One might reasonably ask, aloneness is not loneliness. Not only that, one might point out the texture of aloneness has changed. Solitude is less solitary than ever, with all the calling, texting, emailing, working, chatting, DMing, and posting, we are producing unprecedented terabytes of interpersonal communication. If Americans were happy about themselves, about their friends, about their country, then whining about parties of one would feel silly. 
But for Americans in the 2020s, solitude, anxiety, and dissatisfaction seem to be rising in lockstep. Surveys show that Americans, and especially young Americans, have never been more anxious about their own lives or more depressed about the future of the country. Teenage depression and hopelessness are setting new annual records every year. The share of young people who say they have a close friend has plummeted. Americans have been so depressed about the state of the nation for so many consecutive years that by 2023, NBC pollster said, we have never before seen this level of sustained pessimism in the 30-year-plus history of the poll. And I want to sit on that for a second because we talk about having close friends. And I know that as a youth pastor, we are dialed in to having a service. But the question I would have is, what are we doing to tie those young people together? What are we doing within the context of our programs to put a knot, if you will, to tie these relationships together and tie a strong knot of these students together? And I don't have all the answers. I'm simply relaying some information because it's an issue that I have to figure out. How do I tie my students together beyond just, well, we had a meeting? And I find that when I have students praying for one another, when I have students leading Bible studies and leading their peers, and some of that comes from, you know, student leadership type dynamics. But I also find that students occasionally need less structured time and more hang time. So I'll give you an example. Several years ago, uh, I noticed that I had started the meeting late and we were, you know, was hanging out and doing whatever. And I noticed it was like 15 after, 15 minutes past when we were supposed to start. And I looked around the room and young people were all talking to each other. They were chilling with one another. There were people who normally maybe don't talk to each other, talking to each other. And I think, some, at least for me, I was so dialed in on getting the service started and making sure everything went well that I had forgotten that the glue that holds the group together is this relational time. And even this past Sunday, you know, I had two students in Sunday school, and rather than teach a full-blown lesson, we just sat there and had a conversation. We talked, we hung out together. I didn't worry about getting the lesson done because I really sensed that we just needed to chat. We just needed to talk. It didn't mean that we didn't bring up God or we didn't talk about Jesus or I didn't bring up some scripture or whatever it may be. But I find that the value of sitting in a room with these students and just allowing them to talk to one another rather than them texting one another while I'm speaking, uh, at least I'm giving them a reason to communicate with one another beyond the screen. And so I'm going to have to do some more investigating as to how I can make our relationship time, our hangout time, even more valuable because they have so little face-to-face time with one another outside of the youth group. Let's continue with the article. It goes on to say, broadly, real-world socializing has declined for both men and women of all ages, for all ethnicities, and for all levels of income and education. Although COVID-19 clearly increased time alone, these trends predate the pandemic. The steepest declines have been among young people, poor people, and black Americans. Women and 20-somethings enjoy the most social time in a given week, and low-income, middle-aged, unmarried men seem to get together the least. For most groups, the decline was staggering before accelerating after 2015. Beyond in-person hanging 
several other forms of socialization have declined by about a third in the past 20 years, including the share of Americans who volunteer and the share of Americans who attend religious services over the weekend. Now, that last part, I think we're all pretty familiar with. I think we've seen the decline of church attendance. We've seen the decline of, you know, kids coming to youth. We've seen all of that happen. Now, here comes one of those phrases that I was talking about earlier. They refer to it as the hangout depression. The hangout depression is particularly bad for teenagers. According to the ATUS, teens and young adults saw by far the largest dip in socializing, especially since 2010. In fact, it is genuinely difficult to find any category of play that isn't experiencing some kind of mayday, mayday descent among this group. Teens are dating less playing fewer youth sports, spending less time with their friends, and making fewer friends to begin with. In the late 1970s, more than half of 12th graders got together with their buddies almost every day. By 2017, only 28% did. There's very clearly been a striking decline in in-person socializing among teens and young adults, whether it's going to parties, driving around in the cars, going to the mall, or just about anything that has to do with getting together in person, says Jean Twenge, a psychology professor at San Diego State University. Now, when I was growing up in the early 80s, I tell you what, my friends and I would get together and it was, we couldn't get enough. We would constantly riding bikes. I mean, if you watch movies like the Goonies or E.T. and you see these kids all riding around on bikes. That's us. That's me and my friends. We would ride our bikes all over town. We would get together. We'd call each other on the phone and say, what are you doing? Sometimes we just show up. We just show up at somebody's house and, you know, we throw a bike in the lawn and say, hey, so-and-so, are you home? What are you doing? We're knocking on doors. We're, we're checking, you know, checking for where our friends are. And it was a different time. Yes, before screens. I mean, not before screens, but before, you know, cell phones and before smartphones and all that stuff. I mean, we still had TVs, but to be with our friends was far more important at that time than sitting in front of the TV. The TV was the last resort. That was like, oh, there's nobody at home? Okay, well, I guess I'll just sit at home and, you know, hang out and, and watch some cartoons. Now, that is not to say that I'm saying that my life was perfect or any of those things. I'm just saying that the relationships I had with my friends, which I still have with a very small group of them, have that relationship today that we enjoy face-to-face uh, -face time. We enjoy hanging out. And even my personal preference, I would much rather sit and go to a restaurant and hang out with some folks and, and chat and talk than to be on some Zoom call or, uh, you know, or texting or even those things. I'd much rather be in person with somebody. So then the question for us as youth pastors then is how do we deal with this time in students' lives where they're, as the article said, they're dating less, they're playing fewer youth sports, they're spending time less with their friends and making new friends to begin with. And how important though is that, right? Making new friends. How can we help students make new friends in our youth groups? What, how can we take some segments of our youth programming to say, you know what, it's time to get to know each other. Maybe that's a small group discussion, but, it, but that discussion or that time together is usually geared by a set of questions we've created uh, based on some Bible text. But what if there was just that free time 
What if there was just a time where, we're, hey, look, here's some topics or here's some uh, stuff that we're going to talk about that has nothing to do with the lesson per se, but there's that five to 10 minutes where we throw out topics that have nothing to do with anything other than the fact that the purpose is to help students get to know one another, especially if some students are brand new to the program. I think that's so critical. And we may have to just create space within our youth ministries for unstructured time. Yes, we play games, but even the games are a means to an end somehow. Yes, they socialize, but I don't think students are getting to know each other. And maybe it's more about, hey, look, after youth tonight, we're going to go to Subway or Taco Bell, and we're going to go and we're going to buy everybody's food, but we're going to go together and we're going to just sit and chat and talk. And maybe you do that already, but there's so many youth ministries that don't do that. For us, we go to Jack's. And so we'll sit around and chat and talk and all that. And, you know, kids, you know, the tightest group of kids that we have are the ones that go out to eat and they talk to one another and they know each other on a deeper level. And so if you have kids in your group who don't or can't afford to go out and eat with you all, then, hey, find a way and say, hey, look, we're buying everybody's dinner tonight. Come join us uh, at Subway or come join us uh, wherever it may be that you're going uh, to put them in an unstructured setting where they simply can get to know the people around them. All right, back to the article. It says, I asked Twenge if she could identify large differences by gender or ethnicity among teenagers. She pulled data from the University of Michigan's Monitoring the Future, a decades-old survey of teens, which we've used to make the following charts. The first shows the share of 12th grade boys and girls who say they go out with their friends two or more times a week. From 1976 to 2022, the number of socializers fell by a similar figure, about 30%. Hangouts declined a bit more among black teens than white teens. The article offers three reasons to this, and the first is self-evident, they say, and I think it's pretty clear that more more kids have you know smartphones, and so they're spending that time on their screens, and so they're not hanging out. The second explanation they give is that, that people are hanging out less because of busyness. The article says that research by the Philadelphia Fed has found out that time alone has increased most for low-income non-white individuals for whom hours worked haven't increased much in the past 20 years. And then it goes on to say that that Twenge, uh, Twenge says that sometimes I'll hear the case that teens are spending so much more time on homework, but the evidence suggests it's just not true. She said, in fact, homework time has gone down in the past few years. The share of teens who have jobs has gone down. Despite some parents jam-packing their kids' schedules, overall extracurricular time looks pretty stable in surveys. If anything, Twinge says, that teens today have more leisure time than they used to. They just choose to spend it on their phones. So I should say this too, you know, we're, we, we, this may not be true for your youth group. You may say, oh no, my kids are stacked with homework all the time. Well, that, that may be true, but it may be a good time to take a poll. It may be a good time to poll your students about their relationships or about hanging out or how do you hang out? Where do you hang out? Whom do you hang out with? Would you rather hang out via a screen or would you rather hang out in person and why? So the first reason they give is screens. The second reason they give is busyness. And the third reason they give for this hangout depression or this rise of aloneness is a part of the erosion of America's social infrastructure. 
There's less people going to church. There's less people participating in volunteering. There's less people even building community at work because of this hybrid type of work where there's some people in the office and some people are not. And so there's no togetherness and no bonding feature uh, that is happening within our social fabric of America that is causing people to get together. The article brings up the obvious again, where it says it's very suspicious that teen anxiety and depression really started to take off around 2012 because that's when 50% of Americans owned a smartphone, when social media went from optional to virtual mandatory, and when smartphones got front-facing cameras, Twenge told me. Academics, including Twenge and the social psychologist Jonathan Haidt, have repeatedly argued that phones have driven an anxiety crisis among America's youth, in part by reducing the presence of physical world relationships that are necessary for healthy adolescent development. Swapping touchscreens for screen taps, America's kids are experiencing a more solitary and melancholy childhood than we've ever seen. And they use the term later on in the article, they use the term a ritual recession, a ritual recession, that there is a lack of ritual, whether it's like I said with my friends, meeting up with your bikes down at the gas station or meeting at somebody's house or whatever it may be. There's this lack of this in-person ritual. And because we're getting away from that, it leads to what they talk about the third term, which is social fitness, that we are becoming less socially fit because we don't use our social muscles. We don't pay attention to the fact that we're all in the screen and we're not getting together with other people working on those social skills which makes us socially flabby, I guess. And it's making our students uh, be more awkward or more anxious driven because they can't seem to function within these social modes that are outside of the screen. So if I were to wrap this up, I would say the three key phrases from this article, something that we as youth pastors have to keep an eye on, that we have to work at, is number one is hangout depression. There's this hangout depression going on because students are doing less of it outside of our youth ministries together. So when they gather together, it's really quite special in that regard because they're not hanging out individually with their friends, but they will come together as a group as part of our weekly meetings. And we have to really take that and honor that and figure out how can we deepen these relationships while students are here. The second phrase uh, that I mentioned is ritual recession. How can we build in these social rituals, right? Camp is a ritual for us. Missions trip may be a ritual. Uh, Going out to eat after youth may be a ritual. And that these rituals aren't just you know, perfunctory. They're 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 meaningful. They're adding this social fitness, which is the third term, is that this we're helping kids be socially fit. We're helping them use muscles maybe that they don't normally use during a regular week because they're not hanging out with their friends. They're doing screen time, but that's not the same as being in person with one another. Well, there's a lot to think about. And I hope that I did give you a lot to think about today. I hope that you don't mind that this seemed a bit rambly in that regard, but I think the information was so important. And these phrases are something that we need to keep in mind when we meet with our students. There's a lot going on. And yes, we're sharing the gospel. And yes, we're teaching biblical doctrine, but there's something going on underneath there on the social level that we also need to be aware of. Yes, we're hyper aware of the spiritual 
condition of our students, but I think we also need to be aware of the social condition of our students as well, the relational condition of our students, because the spiritual condition can be transformed by Jesus. That's who does it. He does the transforming of hearts. We, as youth pastors, have to look at the dynamics of our youth ministry to help increase the social fitness or the relational fitness of our students. And how are we doing that within not only the context of our meeting, but the context of our programming year round. Now, I'll put a link down to the article down in the show notes there. If you're not a subscriber to The Atlantic, they may be asking you to subscribe to to get access to that article. Sometimes you get a free article and maybe this will be a free one to you. I am a subscriber to The Atlantic, so I get to read the whole article, but take your chances. Go ahead, click on the link down below and check it out for yourself. And don't forget the series Stand Alone Together that I mentioned earlier. It could kick off some opportunities to talk about some of this social fitness or rituals or these relationships that students really want to have. It may bring about some discussion about anxiety and loneliness, and it may become a great opportunity to solve some of these problems. What can we do? Ask your students, right? What can we do to to bind our hearts together, to get together maybe more often, or, or how can we use our time in our meetings to get deeper into one another's lives? And that's it for this episode, everyone. I hope that you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, wherever you're listening to this, why not go ahead and leave some stars and a short review and say, hey, here's why I enjoy this kind of content. And that will help other youth pastors just like you find this content. And listen, if nobody's told you lately that you're doing a good job, let me tell you, you're doing a good job and you're only going to get better. And I'll see you guys in the next episode.